0: The word of God from Daniel 12. At that time, Michael, the great prince who stands watch over your people will rise up. There will be a time of distress such such as never has occurred since nations came into being until that time. But at that time, all your people who are found written in the book will escape. Many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life and some to disgrace and eternal contempt. Those who have insight will shine like the bright expanse of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, keep these words secret and seal the book until the time of the end. Many will roam about and knowledge will increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and two others were standing there, one on this bank of the river and one on the other. One of them said to the man dressed in linen, who was above the water of the river, "'How long until the end of these wondrous things?' Then I heard the man dressed in linen, who was above the water of the river. He raised both his hands toward heaven and swore by him who lives eternally that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. When the power of the holy people is shattered, all these things will be completed. I heard but did not understand.' So I asked, my Lord, what will be the outcome of these things? He said, go on your way, Daniel, for the words are secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly. None of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. From the time the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Happy is the one who waits for and reaches 1,335 days. But as for you, go on your way to the end. You will rest, and then you will stand to receive your allotted inheritance at the end of the days. The word of God for the people of God.
1: I'm going to encourage you now to take a copy of the scriptures and turn to Daniel 12 not your typical advent passage I recognize that but today we wrap up our study in the book of Daniel congratulations sojourn church family after today we will have made it through one of the most challenging books of the bible in our study together through the end of this year at the end of this sermon, uh, we will still have questions about Daniel 12. I need to state that at the beginning. We will, like Daniel, say, Sir, I have heard, but I do not understand. And that's okay. But there, is, there are realities in this text that are helpful for us as we prepare to celebrate Christmas. In 1967, Stevie Wonder summed up in song some of the best of fallen humanity's longings that rise up in our hearts, specifically during Christmas. He's saying this, Someday at Christmas, men won't be boys playing with bombs like kids play with toys. One warm December, our hearts will see a world where men are free. Someday at Christmas, there'll be no wars when we have learned what Christmas is for. When we have found what life's really worth, there'll be peace on earth. Someday, all our dreams will come to be. Someday, in a world where men are free. Maybe not in time for you and me, but someday at Christmas time. Someday, at Christmas, we'll see a land with no hungry children, no empty hand. One happy morning, people will share our world where people care. Someday, at Christmas, there'll be no tears. If you allow your mind to rest, On these lyrics, I hope they strike a deep chord in your hearts. Stevie Wonder stands in a long line of poets and musicians who have found Christmas to be when their hearts express longings far deeper than what they typically experience. And in Daniel 12, which Courtney just read for us, we find these longings addressed. Daniel 12 addresses these longings by setting our expectations and then deepening those desires, those longings. These are my goals this morning as we enter Daniel 12. First, to set our expectations as we wait for the second coming of Jesus and in so doing to deepen our desires for his coming. So on this Christmas Eve Sunday of 2023, Let's look at Daniel 12 with these two categories in mind. What to expect and what to know about what to expect. Let's name the three expectations out right here at the beginning and then we'll dive into what we should know about each one individually. Expectation number one is distress for all people. Expectation number two is death for all people. Expectation number three is deliverance for God's people expectation number one distress for all people maybe you have a bit of a gut reaction like this come on Isaiah it's Christmas Eve this is what you want to lead with you want to enter our Christmas Eve worship together with expect distress for all people Well, I've mentioned before that Liz and I have some pretty significant dietary complications that just challenge, make all of life challenging. So when we find a restaurant that we can eat at, that will serve food that we can enjoy, it's a pretty big deal. And we still talk about a meal that we enjoyed two or three years ago now. We had just come off of a really strict six months or more of eating, trying to heal our gut from some of the trauma it had gone through we had a special meal at the cheesecake factory that meal was grilled salmon and french fries and it was amazing like it was out of this world incredible i know what you're thinking yes it was just salmon and it was just french fries but it was incredible why? Well, after eating very strictly, the flavors and textures just exploded on our palates, and we thoroughly enjoyed it. But we wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as, it, as much if we had been eating that same meal for the previous six months, a couple of times a week. Why? Well, because our appreciation of the goodness of something is elevated. After experiencing its absence. The appreciation of the goodness of something is elevated. After experiencing its absence. The same is true in many facets of life. The cold drink of water is good anytime. But especially delightful after a long, hot, exhausting workout. A vacation is good anytime, but especially after tax season is over if you're an accountant. Good food is good anytime, but especially after a day of fasting or when it's been 12 months since your favorite Christmas dish. Our expectation of the good that is coming is only elevated and deepened and made more rich and beautiful as our expectations are shaped in the absence Of that thing. And as we experience difficulties and challenges before we experience that good thing. So, what should we expect as we wait for the second advent? Well, Andrew Peterson wrote these lyrics While shepherds watched their flocks by night, all seated on the ground, the angel of the Lord came down and glory shone around. Fear not, said he, for mighty dread had seized their troubled minds. Glad tidings of great joy I bring to you and all mankind. At Jesus' first advent, the angels declared to the shepherds that they had good tidings of great joy that involved peace for all mankind. And just a few weeks after that event, all the children in Bethlehem would be slaughtered by King Herod. Fearing the encroachment of his power. And Jesus would spend his earliest years not in Bethlehem and not in Nazareth, but in Egypt. On the run from powerful men. And Jesus' adopted earthly father would die. And Jesus himself would die. And the temple would be ransacked and razed to the ground and Israel as a nation would cease to exist for hundreds of years and fast forward World War I would happen and World War II would happen and terrorism would happen and genocides in Africa and Eastern Europe and Al-Qaeda and ISIS and Hamas and Al-Shabaab would use terror as a weapon and innocent civilians would be at the mercy of nations defending their right to exist and mass shootings and rising suicide rates and racism and... Good tidings, great joy, peace. Lived reality sounds a little harsher than that. War, distress, destruction. So maybe Andrew Peterson should have adjusted his lyrics, distress to you and all mankind. Seems a little more appropriate, doesn't it? But friends, if the book of Daniel has taught us anything in our time together, it's taught us that mankind should expect distress. Distress as human leaders and institutions reject God and follow the way of the dragon. As leaders demand absolute inappropriate loyalty. As image bearers of God are preyed upon like animals by other image bearers of God. Treated like products of evolution by beastly kingdoms and power structures. Now December 1140 puts us, sorry December, Daniel 1140 puts us in a time frame. At the time of the end. While everything in the apocalyptic portions of Daniel was future to Daniel's time, we have the benefit of 2,500 years between us and Daniel's visions. And many elements of this three-chapter vision, Daniel 10, 11, and 12, have been fulfilled. Many elements, but not all. Specifically, verses 40 onward from Daniel 11. We know from the rest of the Bible that we are currently in the time of the end, And we know that not because of the headlines and not because of what we read, but we know that because the prophecies about the first coming of the Messiah have been fulfilled. The anointed, the the Messiah, Jesus the King, has come. His birth, His life, His death, His resurrection inaugurated the time of the end. So are we in the end times? Absolutely. But that didn't happen in the last decade or the last 25 years. It's been 2,000 years that we've been in the end times. So is the Bible mistaken? Has Jesus forgotten about his promises? How long are we going to last? And why so long in the end times? Well, for one very good reason. The patience of God. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but rather he's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And so as we wait for the promise of God and the coming of Jesus, his second coming, we should know that God is exercising his patience before he administers his justice. And in the meantime, we should expect distress as nations rise and fall, as nations rise against nations, as one beastly kingdom surpasses another beastly kingdom, as the way of the dragon is lived out by beastly powers exercising their dominion. And what specifically is that distress going to look like? Well, Daniel nine twenty six reminded us that there's going to be wars and desolations. Daniel 12.1 described a time of trouble such as has never occurred since nations have existed. Daniel 12.6 describes one who shatters the holy people. The set apart ones, the people of God. So if we're going to allow Daniel 12 to set our expectations, we need to lean into this reality. Friends, expect distress for all people. But what should we know about this distress? Well, for one thing, the distress that you and I face in this life, no matter what it looks like, it is but a shade, a shadow of the distress that will envelop the world completely until we reach the culmination of all things. But know this also, abruptly, unexpectedly, astoundingly, that distress will be over for all those submitted to King Jesus. The distress will be unfathomable in our imaginations. And then it's over. It's done. Expect distress for all mankind, but know that that distress is temporary. Second expectation, what else should we expect? Well, number two, expect death. For all people. This is the Advent sermon you came waiting to hear this morning, right? Distress and death for all people. Some of you are thinking that I just swung and missed for strike two. But if there's anything else that Daniel has taught us, it's that death awaits every human being. And we need this reminder due to the shortness of our memories and our lives and because we have a tendency to put human leaders on pedestals and think that they are the end-all, be-all of our existence. We begin to define our existence in relation to human leaders. But in the past 16 sermons through the book of Daniel, we have met ruler after ruler who has existed, sometimes for decades, who's exercised incredible power... And then what? Died. Nebuchadnezzar. Belshazzar. The desolator known as the general turned emperor Titus. The warrior king, Alexander the Great. Dozens of rulers like Antiochus III and Antiochus Fourth, Epiphanes. And Seleucus the Fourth Philopater in Daniel 11.20. Ruler after ruler after ruler, and what is their end? Well, directly from the text, died, killed, broken, not by human hands, decreed destruction poured out upon, stumbling, falling, and no more, broken in death. And these are just the rulers, and just some of the rulers in the history of mankind. Think of the hundreds of thousands of generals and soldiers and landowners and wives and mothers and children and businessmen and merchants and poets and philosophers and politicians who lived during the times of these kingdoms. And where are they now? Dead. Their bodies decaying in the ground. Friends, expect death for all people. And death comes for the wicked and it comes for the wise alike. Those who reject God and those who follow God. Daniel 12, two, many will sleep in the dust. That's death. Even Daniel himself at the end of this chapter is told by Gabriel, but as for you, go on your way to the end, you will rest. What is he telling Daniel? You're not going to have all your questions answered. You're going to die. Friends, Ecclesiastes uh, reminds us that it's better to go to a funeral than to a party. And many of us are going to be celebrating at parties and family gatherings over the next 48 hours. So for a moment, let's just enter the funeral parlor of humanity together. Yes, it's uncomfortable and it's distressing. But contemplating death sharpens our focus. It brings clarity to our living. And as we transition to our third point, reflecting on death actually brings a depth of joy to our celebrations. A concreteness to our celebrations that would otherwise be missing without it. How is that possible? Well, because in the words of Yet another songwriter, it is not death to die, to leave this weary road and join the saints who dwell on high who found their home with God. It is not death to close the eyes long dimmed by tears and wake in joy before your throne delivered from our fears. It is not death to fling aside this earthly dust and rise with strong and noble wing to live among the just. It is not death. To hear the key unlock the door that sets us free for mortal years to praise our king evermore. Oh Jesus, conquering the grave, your precious blood has power to save. So those who trust in you will in your mercy find it is not death to die. But how can a songwriter write lyrics like that? How can someone actually believe those words? Well, because there's a third expectation from our text. And that's number three, expect deliverance for God's people. Remember, a cold glass of water tastes the best to the weary and the thirsty. Distress. Death. Deliverance, vindication, resurrection. How much sweeter does the word deliverance sound on the ears of the one in distress, in the ears of the one fearful of death? So friends, think about the picture and the pictures we have seen in Daniel. Because Daniel is not just recording content. He has written his book in such a way that the stories themselves point beyond themselves to something far greater. So think about this. As kingdoms rise and fall throughout the book of Daniel, who persists and outlasts them all? Daniel and his three friends. After King Jehoiakim of Judah is replaced by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, is replaced by King Belshazzar of Babylon, is replaced by King Darius or Cyrus of Persia. Who survives? Daniel. The representative of God's people outlasts them all. But it's not just pictures like this that we see in the book of Daniel. It's explicit. Daniel 7.17. These huge beasts... Four in number are four kings who will rise from the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever and ever. Deliverance, vindication. Daniel 12, verse 1, At that time, Michael, the great prince who stands watch over your people, will rise up. There'll be a time of distress such as never has occurred since nations came into being until that time. But at that time, all your people who are found written in the book will what? Escape. Many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to eternal life and some to disgrace and eternal contempt. Those who have insight will shine like the bright expanse of the heavens. Those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. What is Daniel communicating? Deliverance, vindication, resurrection. So dear image bearer of God, this is what God promises to those who worship him. All people die, all will be raised, some will be raised to eternal life with God for all of eternity. And those who have not submitted to God's king will be raised from death to disgrace and eternal contempt, an eternal living death. So can I ask each one of you to ask yourselves the question, is resurrection to deliverance and vindication my future? If you're in Christ, it is. As Dr. Beale has put it so memorably, you become like what you revere, whether for ruin or restoration. You become like what you revere, whether for ruin or... Or restoration. Those who submit to Yahweh's king. Will share in the king's fate. Sure. Death. Distress in this life. But distress is temporary. And death is reversible. After temporary distress. After the veil of death has been traversed. What then? Resurrection. Deliverance. Life. Joy. Joy. Delight and glory for all of eternity. So Christian, remember this. As it goes with your king, it goes with you. As it goes with your representative, so it goes with you. So follower of the king, this is what we wait for. The coming of the king. Not merely as a babe in the manger that we'll celebrate tomorrow. That is wonderful. But that's just a piece of the story. That's not the end. That is not even the beginning. It's simply a chapter in this grand story that God is writing. And the king is coming again, no longer as a babe in a stable, but as a powerful king on a white horse. And he brings with him resurrection, life, real life, real living in the presence of God. And the restoration of all things. That's what we wait for. That's what we long for. So Christian, could it be that you don't wait well and suffer well? And could it be that you fear death because you don't know what you're waiting for? Because you've forgotten what you're waiting for. So can, can we take just a couple of moments and remind ourselves from the scriptures what we're waiting for? Listen to the words of Jesus, John chapter 5. Truly, I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes who sent me has eternal life, has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, I tell you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Do not be amazed at this. Because a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good things to the resurrection of life, but those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of condemnation. And listen how Paul takes those words and his understanding by the Spirit and fleshes it out, First Thessalonians chapter 4. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord, we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise First, then we who are still alive, who are left, who will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And listen to the Apostle John. Then I saw a great white throne and one seated on it. "...earth and heaven fled from his presence, and no place was found for them. I also saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by what was written in the books. Then the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. Each one was judged according to their works." Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, Crying, pain will be no more because former things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making all things new. Christian, this is our future. This is what we have to look forward to. Yes, Daniel 12 has adjusted our expectations as we wait, excuse me, for Jesus to come again. We expect distress. We expect death. But, friends, distress is temporary and death is reversible. We expect deliverance for the people of God because it's certain, it's been promised to us by the one who loved us, who gave himself for us who is coming back again. So how should these reshaped expectations affect our waiting? Excuse me. <coughs> well, 1st Peter, 1st and 2nd Peter are bursting with instructions for those who are waiting for Jesus to return. So let's look at just three ways that our waiting is adjusted briefly as we close. Number one, we wait in patient holiness. Patient holiness. 2 Peter 3. The Lord does not delay his promised coming, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord, his second coming, will come like a thief and all, on that day the heavens will pass away with a loud noise the elements will burn and be dissolved and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed since all these things are be dissolved in this way are to be dissolved in this way it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness as you wait for the day of God and hasten its coming so friends we wait in patient holiness number 2 we wait in prayerful Loving, serving and dependent community. First Peter four, the end of all things is near. Yes, it was near 2,000 years ago and it is near today. Therefore be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength that God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And number three, we wait with an invitation for others to wait with us. Friends, you live among and work with and live near individuals who need to hear that Christ came the first time, yes. But God has appointed him as a judge and he's coming again, not as a lamb to die, not in humility, but in power, in strength, as a king to reign and rule. They need to hear of God's grand story beginning with creation and mankind's rebellion and personal redemption available in Christ and the coming restoration of all things. And friends, there is no better cause to give your life to. Friends, we celebrate today, tomorrow, that Jesus has come. But more than that, we celebrate that Jesus is coming again. Distress is temporary. Death is but a doorway. Resurrection and vindication await the sons and daughters of God. So friends, I think Stevie Wonder was right. Someday at Christmas, there'll be no more tears. When all men are equal and no man has fears. One shining moment, one prayer away. our world today so even so come lord jesus let's pray father we long to see the one whom we love our lord jesus face to face we long to see him not just as a porcelain figure in a nativity set but as the reigning king coming on a white horse to rescue his bride. Father, we long for broken creation to be restored and whole. We long for our tears to be over with, our pain to be finished. We long for distress and death to be no more. And Father, those longings feel especially acute In a season filled with so much joy and celebration. Because underneath it all we know that something's not right. The world is not as it should be. All is not peace and joy. So Lord Jesus, hear the cry of our hearts. Come. Come quickly. Come again. Restore all things. Bring healing. And until you come again, Lord Jesus, would you infuse our celebration of your first coming with deep, deep longing, deep expectation for your second coming. Father, help us not to be content with merely living life on this planet going with the flow of culture and worshiping the false gods that are set before us. But Father, would you allow the anticipation of Christ's second coming to make us discontent in a holy way, to look upward even as the disciples looked upward as your son ascended into the heavens and the angel said in like manner, he'll return. So, Father, during the next 48 hours, as we eat and as we give gifts and receive gifts, as we celebrate and we sing and we have so many activities full of joy and delight and love, Father, may they just sharpen our longing for Christ to return. For it's in your Son's name we pray.